worshipped, so they said, the great old ones who lived ages before there were any men, and who came to the young world at this Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Great Old Ones Gaming Podcast. This is episode 31 and I am your host, Nate, lost in time and space, and I am joined with this episode. I'm the man from Ling, host of the Whisper and Darkness YouTube channel. I'm Innkeeper Vase Odin from the Twisted Tentacle Inn. Hey, and this is Nathan. How did I always get put last in this lineup? I'm just realizing that I'm at the butt end, like the caboose. Because you came in last. You were You were not on the first episode. Okay, you need to stop talking. You realize that by being at the butt end, if we were doing the Essex County Express, I am at the worst possible place for this set of intros. I mean, you kind of do it to yourself, man. I guess we'll we'll jump right into the first topic of the episode, which is uh, recent gaming and catching up. So why don't we start with you, man, from Lang? What you been up to recently? Oh, I've been pretty busy with uh, vacations with the family, and I ran a... Call of Cthulhu game for a patron of the channel and some friends, and uh, that uh, went really well. People seem to enjoy it. We still need to finish that at some point. I think we can wrap it up in a session. Been playing with uh, some of the new, or some of the investigators that were released in the Scarlet Keys, notably Amina, who uh, I was enjoying, although her deck building is a little restrictive. And uh, just making videos, keeping up with the recent announcements of the new uh, set that will be coming out in the new year, as well as the FAQ and whatnot. Very nice. Uh, what about you, Nathan? Um, been doing a lot of board gaming still, playing a lot of Arkham, um, playing some fan maids. Uh, I just want to point out that one of my favorite designers, um, VinQuest, out of, I think, France, he did Against the Wendigo. And he came out with the Heart of Darkness campaign on Arkham Central, which has three scenarios. Uh, Africa is watching to the heart of the Congo and the Avatar of Darkness and has some new investigators. Um, really fun, really amazing stuff. I wish everybody that played Arkham could play his stuff also, just because I'm a big fan. Um, so I've been doing that. And then other than that, in life, just kind of plugging away at work in life. Um, did take a vacation up to the San Juan Islands. Uh, if anyone's been up there off the coast of Washington, with Puerto Rico, they kind of have their own vibe. And you would think, with that name, you would totally think, no, the San Juan Islands, uh, if you look them up, are a small set of islands off the, the west coast there of Washington State. They definitely have a cool island vibe. Like, as soon as you get there, there's no chain stores. Um, there's a lot of touristy things. It's almost like a non-tropical version of Hawaii, but we had a blast up there and we're going to go back up again. That sounds fun. I've never heard of the San Juan Islands. You learn something new every day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, what about you, Nate? Well, um, we recently played through, uh, the alien RPG scenario, The Chariot of the Gods, which was super awesome with... Uh, a couple of our patrons and your brother and another friend of yours vase I'm, I'm curious because i don't i don't think we really got the chance to kind of catch up after that game what were your what were your thoughts after the game dude everyone was talking about it the next day um because you know we have we have a DD game that we play actually not the next day that night because we have a DD game we play on sunday nights yeah uh everyone loved it it's 
so it the system is so clean it's like very light it's not overly complicated it only uses d6s and the mechanics are just very intuitive uh it works well for the type of of game that it is and the type of mood you know that horror mood and the madness and uh i mean it's it, it works really well it works really well it's and it keeps the pace moving too and i wasn't sure initially like the book is beautiful um the artwork the way everything's presented it just looks so vast and they really did a great job with it uh and looking through the book at first i, I thought well i don't know how this how cinematic because the whole thing just kept talking about having a cinematic mode and things like that and I was like, well, I'm not sure how cinematic it can possibly be, you know, because mechanics always tend to get in the way when you're trying to do some kind of cinematic thing. But no, they, they kept the mechanics light, so it really does feel very cinematic. Everything's constantly moving, and the dice don't get in the way. You roll quickly, the results add to the to the nature of the uh, cinematic elements of it. It's It was really fun. It was We had a blast. Everybody had a blast. So yeah, why don't you why don't you tell the audience uh, who you who you ended up playing as during our game? Because <laughs> oh um, damn, I forgot the character's name. But <laughs> uh, Wilson. Wilson. Wilson was very so. Spoiler alert for the scenario for anyone who hasn't played it. Uh, Wilson is hired by corporate to kind of rank everybody to see if they're still going to be useful to the company or not. But then once he finds out that there's this valuable uh, cargo that they find on an abandoned ship. He he just has money signs in his eyes, and he thinks he's going to move up in the company and get millions. So he he does it at any cost. So he's the one who betrays everybody, <laughs> and that was fun playing the villain, trying to get everyone killed and failing miserably. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to like knock out another character, the captain, who didn't like me from the very beginning, and I'm like, oh, let me show you this around the side, and we went to another room, and I tried to get behind her and just choke her out. It failed my roles miserably, and she just, like, completely beat me up. <laughs> oh, my God. That was one of the most hilarious moments in all of a game of everyone was just watching you try to try to do that and just fail spectacularly it was <laughs> we great. had some great uh, moments good stuff other than good that stuff. like some people yeah uh, brains exploded and alien i mean uh androids came out and busted through people's chests mm -hmm. ships were destroyed characters portrayed i mean it was it was just a great time and i think chariot of the gods really lends itself to that uh to that really um fun game style just given the scenario structure itself yeah yeah it it was super, it was heart pounding because the auto destruct sequence got turned on by me. <laughs> and it was heart pounding because everyone was like trying to get out, get to escape pods. And like, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was so fun. Uh, good times. Um, but yeah, other than that, I've, uh, I started playing a little bit of Baldur's Gate 3. And that game is also great for, for the tabletop role playing game community as a whole. Man, I've heard so much discussion about 5e after that game came out. I don't know about you, Vase, but. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's all over the internet. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen the Barrelmancy? What's Barrelmancy? Uh, there's a video. If you Google Baldur's Gate 3 Barrelmancy, uh, where this guy goes to, a, I think, a, a goblin compound and puts like 50 or 100 barrels all around the compound. And then to the same tune that was used at the end of V for Vendetta, um, lights the barrels on fire and then has montage sequences of everything blowing up. It that's is glorious. 
It is the best minute of video game play I've seen in a long time. Check it out. Yeah, that game that game's super good. I haven't had time to uh I played through the now that they're new, you know, because we were in the early, we we're in the beta testing. You and I, Nate. I played through the end of the beta testing, which was just the first chapter, but a lot has changed, and uh, I'm I'm not even halfway through that first part <laughs> since the game came out. I'm just so so behind because I'm I've been doing so much other stuff. I played also Marvel, uh, the Marvel multiverse role playing game, tabletop role playing game, very similar to Alien in that it's a D6 based game. And has the one die that's like a special die, so it's similar in that sense, but also really fun. It's um, it's also more narrative and not cinematic, but more narrative, I guess, similar to Alien. And yeah, I've been really getting into Pathfinder as well, getting away from D and D. The the OGL thing really messed me up, but yeah, I've heard a uh, man from Lee even playing some Pathfinder as well. Yeah, I have. Mm-hmm. How do you like it? Do you, what? What are your thoughts of Comparing it to D and D to Five E. Oh, I prefer it to Five E. Yeah, as a GM, it's night and day, and the fact that they have archives of Nethus that you can look up stuff instantaneously without having to sort through various books is great. As a GM, I think you can spend you you end up wasting more time trying to figure stuff out in D and D than. You really have to. So, yep. And combat encounters too. Are yeah, so much well, that's more the thing, right? Designing designing combat encounters takes forever in D anD D because it's the system is 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 broken and doesn't work. I mean, they they based it on having six to eight encounters a day, and I mean, nobody does that. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you have like two, so, maybe. The you know the system is basically asks the dm to to slowly peck away at the player's resources which is not a great way of designing things in my opinion at least pathfinder it sort of assumes like the players have all their resources all the time so you can just throw whatever you want at them and yeah i find it more challenging than uh for players than D. like it's actually challenging like you have to play smart if you don't you die uh, in D and D, kind of player PCs pop pub stomp every every monster pretty much. It's like assumed they're just going to destroy everything. It's interesting, yeah. Because I'm um, speaking of combat sessions. I uh, my group and I, my Call of Cthulhu group and I, we just finished up the England chapter in our mass campaign, and I I ended up running a, a four hour combat session in Call of Cthulhu, which was something I never thought I would do. Four hour combat. <laughs> Yeah, which which ended up working out a lot better than I thought it would. Pulp Cthulhu really does help the system uh, flesh out its combat a bit in that players can actually do more than just shoot something and then die the round after. Um, yeah, it was nice. Uh, you know, it, it ended up working out really well. It started out as sort of like this sneaking ambush. There was sort of this plan to like infiltrate... Uh, you know the the cults like you know house of operations and then things went awry and then a huge combat kind of broke out and it yeah it ended up working out really kind of surprisingly pretty well luck certainly was on the player's side but you know i think without that it would have worked either way 
being able to spend luck to have your character survive is very helpful, obviously. But even just the ability to to spend luck and have talents and these other little just little boosts that the players get really helped out in the longevity of that combat. But it also was the session that marked our one year, so that was that was cool too. So, oh, nice! Yeah. So the campaign's going well. Yep. The mass. Yep. We've played through three chapters now, and I'm interjecting a kind of mini chapter where the players are going to be going to to Berlin as a bit of a side uh, side adventure. Oh, fun! So, so yeah, that's always cool. So, why don't we kick today's episode off proper with a discussion I'm sure is a bit overdue at this point, which is the newest Arkham campaign, The Feast of Hemlock Vale. Uh, we finally received an announcement for it as of was it last week as of the recording of this episode. Uh, we, we know some details about the newest Arkham LCG campaign. I believe, Man from Ling, you had said before, uh, before we started recording, that the the post I saw was the investigator boxes available at the end of January, follow, and then the campaign boxes at the end of February. I don't know whether those dates are just placeholders, but that's the one I saw at a local store. Okay, so it's it's coming soon, and with that, uh, FFG posted a pretty lengthy article, kind of going over. Uh, what to expect from the campaign, along with posting some some card images with the new investigators and some of the encounter cards. Uh, let's let's start by let's start with the first sentence in the description where they put only the second greatest botanist in Arkham, renowned botanist Dr. Rosa Marquez. Yeah, not world-renowned botanist Carolyn Fern, of course. Right. That's the greatest botany. They only put the second. It all goes back to botany. Now, when I read the title for the first time, my mind did that thing where I was like reading the the title like word by word. And it was like the Treehouse of Horror from Simpsons where they had the cookbook. It was like how to cook, how to cook humans, how to cook for humans, how to cook 40 humans, how to cook 40 humans, <laughs> good food. So it kept on vacillating between good and bad. And I did the same thing when I read the title for this campaign. I go, Feast, oh, awesome. Of Hemlock, oh, Hemlock's bad. Vale, Vales are pretty. <laughs> it just, <laughs> that, that was all within like a microsecond. So I just wanted to share that. Yeah, I, I think my first impressions of it were, I, I love, I mean, just kind of looking at the box itself. It, it has sort of a, a brightness to it that yeah. other other campaigns don't seem to have like even even i would say this is sort of more dreamy in a way than dream eaters was because that big purple box was sort of menacing in a way but this feels much more inviting which is kind of interesting yeah very bright every every image is in daytime every single one which is interesting too i'm wondering if there's going to be uh night versions of them too but we'll get into in a bit later but i mean Harvest festivals are a very New England thing. I mean, as of recording this episode, there's going to be a harvest festival next weekend and the weekend after for the next two months here in New England. And, I mean, you know, 
centering an investigation on a strange isle feels very arkham and i want to point this out too because this is the first uh, campaign where duke is going to be the lead designer it's interesting that we're we're going in such a new direction with a new designer i, I like it it's freshing it's refreshing in a way yeah what it, yeah what do you think man from lying uh i was i mean i'm excited that they are releasing a new campaign I keep hoping one day we'll get a Cthulhu campaign since FFG releases a lot of Cthulhu products, but I don't think Cthulhu has ever been the focus of really any of their stuff per se. So, But uh, yeah, it definitely gave me the old Wicker Man Midsummer vibes, even though I haven't seen Midsummer, I know enough about it to really sort of suggested that's what's going to happen you're going to go to the village and all sorts of bad stuff is going to happen to you amid the festival so the bees the bees <laughs> so speaking of the festival itself i mean what we know so far of the story is that it begins with an invitation from the world's second greatest botanist dr rosa marquez who asks the group to go to hemlock isle where strange stuff starts happening uh, during the time at the Isle, the locals are preparing for a festival, and the Isle, which is normally closed, uh, becomes open to visitors. Uh, the article mentions a three-day and night time limit on the campaign, which, for anyone that's played Majora's Mask, might feel a bit uh, ominous. Uh, but I'm interested to see how that will play out uh, in the replayability aspect, because that is something that they, quote, say provides a ton of replay so i'll be curious to see how that all plays out and the other interesting major thing that they reveal about the campaign is the the npcs and your quote-unquote relationship level with them what do you what do you guys think about this i mean they tried something similar with the uh edge of the earth edge of the earth jesus <laughs> didn't they i mean do you think it's something similar to that or it feels similar. I, I definitely get where you're coming from in that in that aspect. It seems like this is like slightly different, but yeah, it definitely has a similar vibe to it. Yeah, I think their brains are going to get... I think the NPCs' brains are going to get consumed by Migo, and they're going to end up being like mindless thralls. And I mean, they have stat lines, which is, which is what I think maybe they're going to act similar to... To the allies and edge of the earth. Well, they they did say that you could, uh, you'll be able to talk to them and try to persuade them to to be on your side, and they can join you for scenarios. If you get enough points in there, in the yes column, they'll they'll supposedly join your adventures, and then if you fail to persuade them, then they'll they'll turn against you and possibly work against you and probably end up trying to sac sacrifice you to their dark gods so you'll want to try to stay on their good side as much as possible yeah looking at the the fan out of all the cards it looks like each of them have a parlay test with some sort of symbol next to it and a number i'm not sure what that's about but i'm assuming like you said there's probably some context within the campaign that will flesh that out in greater detail um i I don't know how I feel about this because on the one hand I like the idea of interacting with NPCs it does make it feel very much like an RPG um, 
I think my my only criticism of it in the past has been that it sort of detracts from the player's significance in the story. Is that at least in Edge of the Earth, it felt to me like the player kind of takes a back seat and is sort of just a vessel for the player to experience the story out of, rather than being an active member in the story. If that makes sense. Yeah, that that makes sense to me. Yeah, I I guess it's like like you said, RPG syndrome when a when a DM introduces a a powerful NPC that kind of overshadows the players. Or if they're more important to the story than the players, it does seem to make the players feel like they're just on the outside looking in. And in, in those type of games, you want the players to feel like the center of the story. So I don't know if that's how this is going to play out. It may just be that they are that they do feel like side characters. But I, I get your point. I, I think in this in this case, it it probably is going to be a, a different take than what we saw in Edge of the Earth simply due to the fact that you sort of have to convince them and you have to sort of actively pursue them, whereas the other ones you kind of just got to pick and choose and then decide their fate, essentially. I, I like the more active approach that this seems to be going for versus Edge of the Earth, and it's hard not to compare the two, I feel. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's uh, It definitely seems similar. Yeah, but um, what about this day and night thing? So supposedly scenarios will change depending on the time of day and what day you play them on so as we had mentioned earlier there's three days and three nights that the campaign takes place over and when you play the scenarios will have an impact on presumably their difficulty and impact on the story so it sounds like we're going to have like this major kind of hub area and then we'll be able to explore kind of offshoots as as time progresses it seems like that's their their evolved process from the very beginning um the dunwich campaign where you could go to the university or you could go to the um nightclub and you would have a different experience with each that seems like this is just an evolved story arc concept of that which is kind of cool yeah that is that's a good point yeah Uh, i would definitely agree with that it almost feels like, in a way, if you remember kind of going back to Dunwich, the the Blood on the Altar. Like, I wonder if it's going to kind of behave like Blood on the Altar, where you have, like, a hub location, and then you can kind of go out, and maybe scenarios will kind of go from there. I've been playing with time a lot recently in campaigns. We saw, you know, tracking time in in the Scarlet Keys, and now we're seeing sort of a different iteration of tracking time. It's, it definitely seems to be sort of a consequence, or rather a, a side effect of um, this new design model, where they can kind of more freely experiment with stuff like this, and it's really cool to see. I like it a lot. Um, but yeah, what, what do you guys think about, what are your sort of speculations um, going into the campaign story? Field Marshal Haig has formulated a brilliant new tactical plan to ensure final victory in the field. Uh, at this point, I'd like to go ahead and kick it to base. <laughs> You're always passing to me. You're going to get the, the opposing team to know every move that you make every time. It, it, exactly. And that is what is so brilliant about it. Doing precisely what we've done 18 times before is exactly the last thing they'll expect us to do this time. 
I think I think it's amigo infestation, but the day and night thing is is definitely different. I mean, I could be super way wrong here, but with all the the botanist thing and then the you know the plant life getting mutated and then having Winthrop in there, I think it makes sense. It'd be awesome if it was just Cthulhu and he just got all trippy. You know, because he, he had some, like, seaweed that had a lot of THC in it and it's kind of staggered onto the mainland and took over this festival. You would not you Cthulhu, would not expect it. Yeah, if it's Cthulhu, that would be the biggest twist of any game I've ever played. <laughs> Cthulhu just ends up being a deadhead. I mean, I guess that would make sense. What, what's the number one thing that people hope is in this campaign? There's one answer. Well... The number one thing that I hoped for was Kate Winthrop, but they already they already confirmed that she's in here, so mission accomplished. Okay. Uh, man from Lang? I don't know. Okay, base. <laughs> the great <laughs> that was very elaborate answer. Uh, but it was uh, it was to, to the point, next. which is what I respect yeah, it was, from some it people. Was, uh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um I think for me it's um now I lost my thought because Man from Wings. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, what I'm hoping for is that the campaign provides a story that, you know, is feels longer because, like, Edge of the Earth felt short. It, it felt almost inconsequential. I like what they were going for where you can play the scenarios in different orders. Um, I haven't played Scarlet Key, so I don't know how that plays out. Yeah, but. that will definitely cure you of a campaign feeling short yeah definitely <laughs> that campaign's yeah, quite I mean, long i don't want it to drag either i just i just mean like if it if there is a central hub and you go to different locations i hope it doesn't feel like like edge of the earth feels that's it the one thing that i'm hoping for is a blowgun now hear me out if this campaign has a blowgun weapon asset it will be the greatest campaign ever made if it doesn't the next campaign, which will hopefully have a blowgun, will be the greatest campaign ever made. I just want to make sure that that's stated. In other news about this campaign, too, we got confirmation that Bliss and Curse Tokens will be returning as a mechanic in this campaign. And I'm curious, because I know, Vase, you really like Bless and Curse Tokens, so I'm curious what you... I bought a cake, dude. I bought a cake and celebrated. It was what I was hoping for. The I love the Bless and Curse mechanic. I'm very happy to see that more cards are, are going to be introduced that use the Bless and Curse mechanic. And I was very critical of it when it first came out, but man, it ended up growing on me tremendously. One of the best mechanics they introduced in Arkham, I think. Yeah, I, I think I would agree with that, too. I, what do you want from the newer cards? I, I think for me, at least, I would want better, or I guess, more interesting variety in the curse mechanic, because I feel that one feels lacking, especially compared to Bless. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Um, I don't I don't know what I want. I just want more of it. What about if they... What about if they somehow threaded the bless and the curse tokens into the campaign you know like in the scenario if you pull x amount of these tokens then this happens that would be cool i mean they could do so much with it yeah it would give you both a reason to try and have certain blessed tokens put in the bag and a reason for you not to use cards that would have curse 
Otherwise, there would be consequences. That would be that would be the next, in my opinion, the next evolution that would be fun for, the other than more of the same, you know, good stuff. Yeah, um, I mean, I you know, Man from Lang mentioned a while ago about the blessing curse, making it very difficult to manage when you're playing in a campaign with where everyone has their own chaos bag, because you're constantly having to modify the contents of the bag. But I think if you know, if you go in, into it knowing that it's going to be a blessing curse type of game, then everyone can just agree to use the one bag and then go from there. Yeah, I mean, and to be fair, like that circumstance really only happens when you're trying to Iron Man through a campaign in 12 hours at, you know, <laughs> at Arkham Knights. But yeah, I I really like the the return of this mechanic. I know a lot of players certainly feel the same. It's, it's nice to see that this mechanic is getting a chance to kind of stretch its legs because you know it, it was really well received when it originally came out in the insmith stuff and i think the other thing i'd really like to see more of is the the paradox like mystic stuff where they sort of dealt with both the bless and the curse being in the bag that didn't really feel fleshed out either and i'd like to see more of that stuff be um be fleshed out in this campaign too that'd be cool yeah i mean Overall, I, I think you're right. Like, the mechanic had so much more that it could give that I'm glad they're revisiting it to explore that further. Because, yeah, it, in one, having it just in one campaign does limit it because you can only have so many cards that use it, and not every card is going to use the mechanic. So you're really shrinking the amount of cards that interact with that, with that mechanic. But now allowing it to kind of breathe into another campaign, it's... Uh, really going to expand the use of it. I, I can't wait to see what they come out with. And let's see. I think the other you know, the other major thing that they announced uh, about this campaign was they did... Asmodee Germany released a fan art, or not a fan art, but a, a fan of the images for the investigators. So we know the five investigators that are going to be included in the box. We have Wilson Richards who's the handyman, he's going to be the guardian, and he's kind of centered around tools and playing tools for cheaper and getting bonuses to tools. Uh, we have Kate Winthrop, who's the seeker for the box, who was spoiled in the article. Uh, Hank Sampson, who is the survivor, who was spoiled in the article. We have Alessandra Zorzi, uh, who is the rogue for the box, which is particularly interesting because she is actually a crossover character from the Aconite books. So it's confirmed now that the Aconite books are going, I guess, considered canon in the Arkham IP, which is pretty cool. Uh, for those who are unaware, uh, Aconite Publishing publishes Arkham Horror-themed uh, novels that take place within the Arkham universe. And Wrath of Nakai was one of the first books that they released back in 2019, I believe. Didn't you interview the, the writer, the author? I, I did. I interviewed Josh Reynolds, and I did a review of that book. So if you're curious about that, you can check that out. I'll leave a link in the show notes. Uh, I really liked uh, Alessandra as a character, and it's really cool to see that they're incorporating uh, the characters that those uh, novelists came up with into the into the game. It's really neat. I like that a lot. And lastly, but surely not least, there's a new mystic in the box, of course, who is a new-to-the-IP character whose name uh, I will butcher, uh, but his last name is uh, Narukani, and 
we still don't know what he does. He, so. he adds cur- he adds uh, bless and curse tokens to the bag. Oh, so we found uh, Vase's potential new favorite investigator question mark. <laughs> yeah, he's. I, I I did uh, a piece about his ability, and I think his elder thing allows him to add tokens to the bag. Oh, that's cool. He does, but, have, but they have to be. Though. But he's he's like the paradox guy, so he like he they have to be even. So if there's like less bless or curse, you get to add one to sort of even things out. I think is oh that's cool. Is what, how his ability works? No, that's neat. Yeah, I was just talking about how they needed to flesh out that whole paradox thing, and here they are. Look at that. I think this is a really interesting cast of characters. I mean, we get some cool returning favorites like Kate and uh, Hank Sampson and Wilson, but then we also get a couple new characters, both crossover and completely new, which is really cool. Um, Alessandra is an investigator that deals with parlay, so it seems like we're getting a whole slew of, uh, or a whole slop of, uh, parlay cards, and we'll be getting some Blessing Curse cards, which is really cool. I, I think I mentioned this on a previous cast, at least I have to other people, but when I read the investigator book for Arkham that came out a while ago, um, he was one of the coolest flavor-wise because he came to town, walked around as a handyman, looked at all the different things going on, and then before he went back on the train to leave Arkham, he was at the train station and he just kind of threw his ticket away because he felt like he was needed. So he's one of the few characters that makes a conscious effort to stay in Arkham and to do something good, which is neat because a lot of people to me seem like they're just already here and dealing with stuff instead of like made an effort to you know come here and stay here for the for the for the right reason so i'm excited to try his character out flavor wise yeah i mean everyone already knows i'm excited for kate winthrop so yeah the one the one thing that stood out to me is that the player cards they spoiled at least a couple of them seemed like they were they were pushed pretty hard so we'll have to wait and see what the what the rest of the set holds yeah, I mean, it's sort of an inevitable thing, right? We're nine, ten campaigns in at this point, right? At the end of the day, just cards are just going to be pushed aside as new cards come in. And yeah, I would, uh, I would agree with you. I think Sparrow Mask is kind of the one that really stood out to me. That one seems really, really good. Yeah, the the masks the masks are the ones that really worry me because I mean Sparrow Mask is better than a level four card in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's pretty strong, and the fact that it's basically slotless, yeah. But there, I mean, there are some pretty exciting cards. I mean, the the new skill that the survivors get to deal damage is something that I'm sure many investigators will want to play. Plus, the art on that card is just hilarious. <laughs> just the the like the zombie or the ghoul or whatever being hit upside the head with a brick. Mwah. Brilliant, brilliant stuff there. And it's cool that you can um, flavor wise too that you can commit it to a to a test on an enemy at a connecting location so that it really is a long shot. Just uh, good, good stuff there. Yeah, initially I thought that maybe it would be because of the crazy plant life and fertility etc etc that Shubnigarath would be the the great old one but with masks being in there who knows maybe Nyarlathotep is gonna make another appearance 
or maybe both yeah it's possible i mean but they you know who knows they may go with an entirely different great old one that do you think they'll create their own great old one one of these times that'd be freaky no i don't i don't i think there's enough great old ones out there that they don't need to to create a new one there are a lot of great old ones that hardly have had had any use so there's there's plenty of material out there i it wouldn't honestly surprise me if they did at some point and that they clearly seem to be comfortable with making their own iterations of enemies and things so it wouldn't i wouldn't be shocked but it would kind of surprise me if they did that before i guess kind of tackling the greatest hits so to speak like cthulhu seems like an obvious one that you know we've been talking about for years at this point where's my cthulhu campaign hopefully 2025 maybe question mark in it I think <clears throat> where halfway through the game you take the entire deck of cards out and you put in a whole new uh, encounter deck with uh, different different uh, treacheries different monsters etc so we thought that it would be um, kind of a fun twist it kind of separated an in in above and below dynamic to the game a different feel but I originally worked on this scenario back in 2019 for the Lovecraft Film Festival, um, along with Andrew Migliori, the founder of the, fest the festival. And he had worked with a, a local artist, so we, we got a, a local artist to do all hand-drawn with, you know, the little hatchet marks uh, and inkings and stuff, uh, art. So it's just a, a neat adventure. Um, you get to explore Portland, Oregon, and, and its actual history of, because it focuses on the sailors that were um, abducted for, uh, you know, forced labor on the ships, and the Shanghai Tunnels, which is the underground usage of storing alcohol as well as people. So, it's got a couple neat aspects to it, but if anybody wants to join in, uh, all you have to do is print off the scenario uh, which I posted in all the major groups and it's on Arkham Central and play it and just kind of give a quick mini paragraph write up of what happened and uh, you can win some prizes that way we're going to give away some DVDs from the Film Fest we're going to give away some sealed product uh, so it's just something fun and I know Vase you've made at least one campaign and I think uh, Nate you've made two so there's definitely some fun stuff out there yeah and we'll um I'll put a link in the show notes for anyone interested in checking out Nathan's scenario and a chance to win a printed copy. It's, I think I played it back at Beneath the Waves. I can't remember if I played it or not. I played it like four times. <laughs> it's fun, yeah. We played it with Man From Lang at, at Nathan's house. Over the years, we've uh, you know adjusted it to try and tweak it and make it the best it could be. I do appreciate the fact that anybody that makes anything will understand where I'm coming from. 
we posted it and within a few days like two people gave it one out of five stars and one person gave it a five out of five stars and I'm like I don't think they've played it yet like I think they were going off they didn't like the art or something because like it was really weird and I'm like I've played it several times and it's not the best because there's so many good things out there but it's fun every time I've played it I've had a good time so it's just kind of funny yeah I think part of that is just people polarize the reviews to one extreme or the other a lot of the time it's like people either give things a one star or they give it a five star there's hardly people that go in between I feel a lot of the time nowadays yeah yeah, I don't even look at reviews for my stuff because sometimes people can be really cruel on the internet. So, you know it. Yeah, re- reading the YouTube comments is uh, usually a mistake. Yeah, I just heart every comment now. Like, <laughs> if it's a if it's a comment I don't like, I just you know I heart it and then I ignore it because you can't let yourself. It, it's hard, man. It's hard. First, it, people think that like when you're a content creator that you're like. I don't know, like, they can just say whatever to you. <laughs> um, but it, it does hit, like, we're still people, man. Like, sometimes things hurt or they hit certain nerves, you know. Um, but it, the best thing to do, Nathan, my recommendation, don't even, I mean, I know I know you're trying to read the reviews because what that's what I would do is to see where you can improve. Oh, the- I'm going to stop you there, base. I've already tracked down the people. <laughs> I have them all being monitored now and i have strike teams uh, at the ready and i'm just going to give them a simple little do you want to revisit your rating you know in the mail and they can choose what happens there let's just say there will be a feast of hemlock veil irl okay let's just say that but yeah i i know that you know you read them to try and improve to make yourself better but there's people on the internet man they're gonna they're gonna be like trolling there's some trolls there's some people that just don't like you personally or they don't like your personality or whatever oh, so many it, people. it just happens but it's funny if you spend 300 hours on something it, that's that's and, where it hurts uh, the most when you put so much of your heart and soul well into it's it. fine and then somebody before they even like i put it up and within an hour which if you think about the time to download and play it and everything within an hour there was a, a one star review and i'm like come on really yeah for sure man <laughs> i know it. but that's fine it's all good. Yeah, before we uh, before we wrap up uh, today's main topics, we did briefly want to mention that uh, Parallel Pete was released back in the end of July. Um, so for those curious, uh, there is a corresponding FFG article, which will be posted in the show notes of this episode. Uh, they gave Pete a guitar, so you don't get Duke. Or I guess you can if you wanted to play with um, with both upgrades, which is pretty neat. But Playing with both upgrades is broken. I can, <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Uh, Pete's guitar allows you to move enemies around the map, and Duke as well the best ally in the game so yeah that that sounds about right what is interesting to me though is that this didn't come with a scenario like all the other parallels have which is a bit of a shame well i think they i I think they didn't come up with a scenario a probably because of time and b because the scenarios would upgrade the uh that's how you got your advanced signatures was through playing the scenario and since they didn't have advanced signatures 
a scenario wasn't needed so mm. that's fair and pete's guitar is already pretty ridiculous as it is anyway so that's fair yeah and i think when they when they decided not i mean i understand why they decided not to to provide an upgrade for duke but by creating the guitar and allowing you to play both duke and the guitar it gets kind of ridiculous pretty quickly when both hit the table i mean you have to get duke out of your deck but once he hits the table it's and then the other announcement was uh the blob that ate everything else which is sort of a spin-off for uh the original blob that ate everything scenario uh this was featured during gen con in 2023 did none of us went to gen con right i know vase didn't no no so so unfortunately, none of us are able to report on that, but you are able to print it out yourself and try it out. And it includes a new investigator, uh, subject 5U-21, which is codenamed Susie. Uh, I have not played this investigator. I have no real interest in playing this investigator, but I'm glad that it exists for people that want to. Yeah, no, I've had several people say that it's their new favorite for whatever reason. They really are gelling with it, so that's cool. Hot gelling. I will point out, uh, uh, sadly, that Vase could not join us today for trivia as he had prior obligations. However, as Man from Lang pointed out, his score being at the bottom of the pile will stay unchanged. All right. I think he was just scared of getting beaten again. Uh, here we go. We've got 10 questions, uh, trivia questions, and today's trivia questions will all deal with um, our favorite thing in the entire game, curses uh, slash weaknesses. So uh, here we go for question number one. What are the stats for the Guardian of the Crystallizer? Three, three, three? Correct. Nate gets a point. Next question. The Accursed Follower, what are they holding in their hand? A book. Okay, we got a book. Anybody else? A heart? Base? No, sorry. Oh, Nate with the point. It is, in fact, a heart, or you could say Kalima from uh, Temple of Doom. I would have also given you that. Next question. The time on the clock for chronophobia. I've asked this one uh, last year at some point. Does anyone have any idea? Closest wins. Five minutes to midnight. Uh, Might have been what you said before. Maybe. I thought it was like six o'clock. Unfortunately, Nate, I'm going to have to give this one to you too. It is 429 which is a very strange time to have. Maybe it uh, somehow deals with one of the scenarios. Let's assume so. We should have a scenario a fan made called 429, and that's the only weakness in your deck. Um, narcolepsy, fun card, fun concept. Does anyone want to guess how many coffee cups were on the table or desk? Three. Two. Uh, three was Man from Lang. Mm -hmm. Closest without going over, correct. The answer is four. For a bonus point, Man from Lang, how many are tipped over? Two. Uh, the answer was one. So 
Gave you a chance at a double points on that, but you still got the point. Uh, we're halfway done-ish. What was that noise? What card is that? That's the flavor text. What was that noise? Uh, haunted? I would say you were correct if it weren't uh, a different answer. Man from Lang, shot on goal? No, I can't. Paranoia. Paranoia. Oh, yeah. Paranoia. Um, which weakness looks like it's out of the Scarlet Keys campaign? There is a weakness that has a very bright red item in the picture. Does anyone want to steal the point on this? I genuinely don't know that one. Fair enough. That's a dif difficult one. I did say steal the point because it is kleptomania. There is a bright red boa. And every time I see that weakness, I think of the Scarlet Keys campaign because the boa itself looks like it could be one of the items of, of power. Uh, your worst nightmare stats. Anyone want to take a stab? 3-2-2? Man from Lang? I'll go three, threes across the board. Yeah, not a bad guess. Two, three, two. With the middle one being the kicker. Uh, down to the last few. Unspeakable Oath. Uh, it has three variations with three different colors. And each of the three have a different name. For a point apiece, can you guess any of the names? Oh, jeez. Point apiece, this is a three-point possibility. Um, one is Brutality, I think. Any other guesses? Misery? Okay, so they are Bloodthirst, Curiosity, and Cowardice. Eh, just in case you ran across them, I was giving you the chance of three points. Alright, we got one more stat question. Mob Enforcer stats, can anyone say them? I feel like the mob enforcer, I think, is 4-3-2? Man from Lang? I'll go 4-3-3. Three, three. Man from Lang, point. Damn. Good one. Yeah, I was, like, waiting on that one. I was like, oh, so close, Nate. Um, last one. Tis a quote. You can interrupt me anytime. You'll never forget the day you learned the true secrets of the Silver Lodge's inner circle. The truth is too terrible for the Lodge to let you live. Lodge debts? Very good guess. But not correct. Uh, Silver Twilight Acolyte? Correct. Nate, with the nail in the coffin. Although I do appreciate a couple of the times that Man from Lang uh, clearly said no. <laughs> when I asked if you want to try dude I get these are hard and once again I have the the luxury of knowing the correct answer because I wrote the damn things so uh, anyway hope you enjoyed the uh, weakness quiz here at the end for all uh, you three four listeners that are out there um, I do would like to recommend uh, if everybody likes the channel and would like to support us we do have a Patreon Nate do you want to tell them more it's true. We have a Patreon at patreon.com slash the great old ones gaming. Uh, Face and I have been, and Cameron to some extent as well, we've been doing pretty good about hosting regular games for patrons. Um, 
So if you're interested in supporting the show and maybe playing a game with us, you can head over to patreon.com slash thegreatoldonesgaming. You can support the show for as little as a dollar, and we immensely appreciate it. It is thanks to the continued support of our patrons that we're able to continue the show and keep the lights on and, well, just want to show our thanks and have some fun. Well said. I think with that, that will wrap up the episode, unless we have any other closing thoughts. I am pretty excited about uh, Feast for Hemlock Vale. There's a lot to be excited for, both, I think, with the player cards and the Blessing Curse stuff, as well as a new and interesting story with a new uh, lead designer taking the helm of the game. But I think that will do it for this episode. I've been your host, Nate, lost in time and space, and, well, Face was here, but he's no longer here. And with me today was... I'm the Man from Ling, host of the Whisper and Darkness YouTube channel. Hey, I'm Vase. Uh, I'm, I'm okay. Uh, I think the other guys are cooler. Uh, I think I'm from Panama and have a brother, but I constantly conflate that as well. Um, you can always get free stuff from me anytime by uh, writing to carolynferntheBotanist at gmail.com. Um, also send in your pictures of fish and chips uh, at any point as well. I love getting those. Uh, and then over to my favorite um, co-host, Nathan. Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, this has been Nathan, and uh, we appreciate you listening today. <laughs>